Good day, everybody. Welcome to the Deal Scout. My name is Josh. I'm a fellow dealmaker. If you are looking to acquire businesses, invest in businesses, this is going to be an episode you probably want to pay attention to. Let me introduce you to my friend, Patch. Patch, welcome to the show. What's up, bro? How are you? Man, I'm freaking awesome. So uh, you do some deals, right? Like, uh, what are we going to talk about today, right? On acquisitions? Yeah, we do. We do a couple. Yeah. Yeah. How many acquisitions uh, would you say you did within the past maybe year, uh, year or two? Well, I've done 104 in the last three years. So um, I'm picking up speed, I'm doing f- four to five um, pretty consistently every quarter. Um, there are some where, you know, I'll, I'll get, I'll pick up speed because I'm doing the same kind of acquisition on the same thing. Um, so sometimes I, I pick up a little bit of speed here and there. Um, and then I help other people too. So it's, uh, it's pretty, it, it's pretty fun. I, I'd like to do more. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do, uh, more. So I don't know. Well, cool. All right. So talk to us about, so we're, we'll get into the, the details of it. We'll get into the trenches, but talk to us about how you got started in the game because your background is not in business acquisitions, private no, business acquisitions. No, no, no. Uh, and, and I'm fairly young as an entrepreneur too. Um, I, uh, I've, been, I've been a full-time entrepreneur for four years, um, but I uh, did a lot of time in the military and then I kind of came out of the military and fell on my face and really didn't know how to fit in and didn't know how to talk to people and you know, it's just it, for me. I I kind of went to the entrepreneur world because I had to build a a life that I could live within. Like <laughs> it felt like when I got out, all the rules changed and and they were different weird rules. Um, so I started building my business basically the same off the same principles and concepts that I knew from the military. Um, and then uh. It it was weird in the very beginning. I just kind of happened into it. Uh, I acquired a company that just needed a little bit of help. Um, and when I built my marketing company, which is how I kind of started, um, when I built that company, I didn't understand all the agency stuff that I was going to run into that was not favorable. I thought like, I I don't, I didn't know any better. (laughs) And, and and I was too dumb to know uh, that you, you couldn't build a business as fast as I was. I mean, everybody else told me that was a pipe dream. And I was like, P and L looks pretty good, bro. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I, I, I just didn't know any better. And then next thing you know, I started acquiring companies basically because I got tired of constantly, I would, I would grow somebody else's company and then they would exit and I wouldn't go with them. Right. They, and, and they wouldn't even give me a steak dinner. You know, it was like, you know, it was like, thanks bro. I'm out. And, uh, you know, they, they, they move away a lot of times. It was, it was crazy. And we had a couple of those in a row. And then next thing you know, it was like, you, you grow other people's companies and then they, they take all the marketing in house. And I was like, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like this whole agency thing. As a matter of fact, I fired all my clients. 
And I just started acquiring companies for the sole purpose of applying my marketing stuff to it, but um, having a little bit of ownership in it um, so that I couldn't be replaced by internal teams or, you know, the company couldn't be sold away from me and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, it just became, it was kind of like this accident that turned into a, a, I don't know, a habit. And then now it's just the only way that I do it. It's weird. Now it's an addiction. It went from an, it a is, habit, yeah. <laughs> an accident to a habit to now you love buying companies, right? Yeah. And you love, you love growing yeah. your ecosystem, right? So talk yeah. to us about how, why, why are you buying different types of companies and how they kind of work together? Well, I kind of use a combination between the Berkshire Hathaway model and the Virgin model. And it's, it's kind of weird because most people don't like uh, to be, to be running splits. And what I mean by that is like a bank doesn't like this kind of thing. Um, Like a real estate investor typically doesn't like the kinds of things that I go after. Um, You, you probably couldn't get a, a SBA loan on some of the things that I go after. You couldn't, you just can't do it because it doesn't, makes sense on paper, but I'll give you a great example. Um, I just acquired um, a fractional CFO company. Well, the company by itself does not look good on paper. The, the owner, they, they did about, uh, they, let's say they did a million dollars last year. I think it's just under, but let's say that for the sake of round numbers, they did a million dollars last year. The owner only made 80, right? But I acquired the company. Then I have 49 other companies, 36 of those. Immediately I moved over to their CFO, fractional CFO stuff to alleviate some of the, the burden on my team. Well, they went from, you know, let's just say for the second round numbers, they went from a hundred thousand dollars a month to, I don't know, probably $220,000 a month because I'm still running the bill. I'm still paying the invoice from all of my other companies but I just doubled and a half this company overnight. That company probably would not look good on paper to a bank because there's not a lot of profit left over the way that they've always been doing it. But now they have a huge influx of cash. Now we're doing individual marketing or or marketing for all the individual CFOs plus the, the, the company that, that kind of directs them. Plus we're doing all this new outreach in areas that I already have penetration in the market. And we're talking about, you know, um, like how fractional CFOs can be part of the uh, younger entrepreneur's journey, right? You don't have to, you need somebody to be paying attention to the finances, but you may not need a full on, like a full time person. So what if you could just get like an hour a week or two hours a week and you get a much 
uh, cheaper bookkeeper. And then they run the numbers through the CFO um, and they kind of prep them for everything you're going to need for the CPA and like all that kind of stuff. So on paper, that company does not make sense. Why would you acquire a company that the owner is only making $80,000 a year? But when you apply it to everything else that I have, it makes perfect sense. So that's kind of the difference in the in in how I run the split. So back to the Berkshire model, uh, Virgin model. So Berkshire, Berkshire as a whole, as a conglomerate, they don't really have a vein, right? They've got high-end insurance, they got Coca-Cola, they've got Bank of America. Some people uh would say that their vein is anything that's got a major brand and anything that's got anything to do with finances. But that's actually not true. When you look at like, we only focus on the top ones, but if you go down pretty deep on how he's been doing it for, you know, years and years and years, it's just, it didn't really matter the genre of company, the vein of the company's core product. What mattered was it had the ability to grow. That was what mattered. It couldn't be small uh, companies that had no way to expand their services or or massively expand their reach, uh, their customer base. He wants to take good companies and make them great. But he also knows that if he makes 10 investments, one or two are going to do astronomically well. One or two are going to do pretty well. One or two are going to do okay. One or two are going to break even. The rest are going to lose. It doesn't matter about the losses, though. You don't want to be taking losses, but the gains that you make on the high end far outweigh the losses that you would take. And I kind of did the same thing with business. And we we kind of make this joke about um the movie Moneyball, right? Um, you know, they're 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 buying runs. Well, the same thing. We apply that instead of baseball, we apply it to business, and we're like, we just need to win on 60 to 70% of the choices we make. Now that's different than regular investors, right? When like typically investors want to know every single deal what is it they have to kind of have a warm fuzzy about it that's really hard Uh, real estate investors are the worst when it comes to acquiring companies and there's a reason for that it's because they've been kind of formed in their brain of when they make investments they have you know comps and they have you know appraisals and they have uh, third party reporting in a lot of uh, different ways. And they've got, you know, they can, I don't know. They, they just, they, they have to know so much about something in order to feel comfortable based on the system that they live within. So this brings up a topic. You and I have discussed this before you, me and Chris, uh, our producer sitting over in the corner. Uh, we, sorry, Chris, for putting you in the corner. We love you, buddy. Uh, on we do we do uh he's the good looking one in the the group and the smart one all right so on hey 
Okay. On comfort, you just mentioned real estate investors typically go through this major, major process before feeling comfortable. Yeah. Right. So we've got comfort and we've got fear, right. Yeah. That, that are kind of like fighting each other. How do yeah. you approach that? Well, fear is all bullshit. <laughs> like, right. I mean, we could do a whole, a whole series on this. So I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but so in my mind, fear is just a lack of um, education, exposure, or experience. And there's a couple of reasons for that because like, okay, so just give me, let's, let's go down the list really quickly. People are scared of snakes, scared of heights. Scared of small spaces, claustrophobia. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, but check this out. Is this true or false? There are veterinarians out there that all they do is deal with snakes. They're not scared of snakes. They use tools and gloves and they understand how to uh, manipulate the snake in a way that there is less likelihood that they're going to get and get bitten. Not that they will never get bitten, but less of a chance, right? Just the way that they handle it. If you take heights, there's people that literally uh, climb to the top of thousand foot towers to change light bulbs, right? There's people hanging off the side of a building, uh, washing windows. There's people that build those buildings, um, uh, claustrophobia. There's, there's people that go spelunking for fun, <laughs> right? Like it's a lack of education, experience, or exposure. It doesn't matter what it is. I, I mean, I have not had anybody and I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or know anything about the brain. I'm just, you know, so, some dummy that, that likes to go build companies, but I do know this no matter what you're scared of and people label under fear, if you just start experiencing it, if you just start, um, you know, getting around and educating yourself on it and you get some person that you trust to expose you to it, you know, I've taken people that were massively scared of heights, uh, skydiving and they have a blast and they love it. And everything's amazing. Once they get on the ground, (laughs) right but when they when they went in the very beginning they were white knuckle let me ask you this josh how is it that when we drive an automobile we are not white knuckling it the whole way to where we go when i drive my wife is white knuckling the, the the sidebar and she's freaking out yeah but when she's driving what what's the like how do we do that do you know that driving is the most dangerous thing that you can possibly do in the United States? It is by far, you are much more likely to get hurt driving by like a long, like a massive dis. The difference between you getting hurt in business and people aren't going to like when I say this, but I'm okay with it. The difference between you getting hurt in a business, acquiring a business of less than a million dollars, a million dollar EBITDA or down The chance of you getting hurt in that transaction is like you being 
literally scratching off the winning lottery ticket to a couple hundred million dollars and getting hit by lightning at the same time, right? Like it's compared to getting hurt in a, in a, in a traffic accident. Like it is so astronomically higher, but I've, I've been driving down the road and go six exits past where I was supposed to get on. Cause I was just thinking, you know, my body just went on autopilot. You ever gone someplace you weren't supposed to go just because you start heading that direction? Like, and that that's kind of like the the idea. When I'm acquiring companies, I'm trying to figure out how I can apply them to my business and take a lot of the risk out. I'm I'm actually doing risk mitigation instead of fear management. Cause that's what everybody's trying to do. Like in, in, in my experience. People are trying to manage fear instead of just risk mitigation. <laughs> it's it's different, um, which leads me back to the um, Virgin model. So the Virgin model is pretty simple. Um, Sir Richard knew if he got people down to the, the Virgin Islands, he'd make a bunch of money because he owned the hotels and the bars and the restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Well, how do you get more people down there? You buy... Uh, airline company and you call it Virgin Airlines and you run $69 flights, but the overhead is actually being carried by another group of people that are just running flights through the Southeast. Right. And then how do you get more people to buy those tickets? Well, you buy a failing uh, travel agency and you give a bunch of new training and then you give a bunch of bonuses for people to take those $69 flights or to sell those $69 flights. And how do you, make your business uh, down there more profitable and your airline more profitable and your, your travel agent agency more profitable. You buy a, a printing company and you print all your own travel brochures and all your own menus and all your own flight uh, industry related uh, paper material. You do all that, but you also have clients and those clients are carrying a lot of the overhead and how do you get people to stay in the Virgin Islands longer because the cell, the cell service sucks and the Wi-Fi sucks and nobody can talk to people, you know, back at their point of origin. So you buy a failing telecom company and you call it Virgin Mobile and you put in the best Wi-Fi and the best cell signal. And now people will stay, you know, seven to 10 days instead of the two to three. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm taking the Berkshire model and I'm saying, okay, which which companies out there can I double or triple or quadruple? And then secondarily, how do I fit them in to my own ecosystem of companies? And that can be a number of different ways. It could be the product or service that they have. It could be the audience group that they have. It could be the email list that they have. It could be the uh, Facebook group that they have. It could be... There's all kinds of ways to do that, but I'm combining these two things because in my world, if the company can form the function that I need for the rest of my companies, but they can't scale the clients, it doesn't matter. I'm still getting very cost-efficient things done inside of all the rest of the companies. So let me ask you a question, Patch. Mm -hmm. If we were to you know, get a group of guys together, guys and gals, you know, business leaders in a room. And we start explaining the 
you know, Berkshire model. And we've got the Virgin model over here and we're, and we're going to start showing people the model in the middle. What what do you think we would call that model in the middle? We got it. We got to come up with a really cool name. Well, I mean, I call it the Mobius model because Mobius Mobius, uh, means endless, like a Mobius strip. Mobius means endless. So like Mobius media solutions is endless media solutions. And so the, the reason that I like it is because I can literally take a dollar and this, this is pretty crazy to wrap your brain around, but I could take a single dollar. I could bring it in through any one of my companies and then watch that same dollar flow through invoices between companies that I own and stay in that ecosystem for a long time before it actually goes out. So what does that $1 turn into like value wise? Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of, if you think about this open-mindedly and don't, don't try to like, don't try to nitpick this down, but actually that is the representation of I'm experiencing uh, more power for my dollar when I, as the, the conglomerate can spend a dollar. Well, I bring a, I bring a, a dollar in, in my, let's say we sell a product. I bring in a dollar of profit. I use that dollar. I buy something else from the next company. You had a write-off on one side because you spent it on the other, right? But now you have increase in revenue in this company. And then you do it again. And now you have increase in revenue. You do it again. You have increase in revenue. And that, that again could be, um, I wanted to do a website upgrade. So I brought the dollar in cause I sold a product on an e-commerce site. I needed to do a website upgrade speed optimization. So I go to my web company and I get a service and it costs a dollar. Then that company, that website company wants to do an event and needs some t-shirts. So I spend the dollar in my print company and now that, same dollar has gone through three companies before it's realized this profit. What I'm actually doing is I'm increasing the revenue of a bunch of companies at the same time with the same dollar. That is like, that is like compounding interest within your own companies. If we were doing it on Ethereum, right? If we were doing this through services that dollar represents a massive compounding effect that comes out the other end as massive financial gain because i took that one dollar and i made four or five or six companies better before i realized it as profit right it is is a crazy snowball effect when you're doing that because let's say i changed that one dollar to a million dollars Right. And now I just passed a million dollars through six companies before it was realized as profit somewhere. Whole crap. Like you you're moving, you're you're moving some some financial goodness uh at scale. The, the line item on your, your PL is financial goodness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got for it. sure. All right. So when we when we look at 
when we look at fear, I want to, I want to repeat this because this is really cool. Fear, you know, you say fear is bullshit and, and it comes from a lack of education, experience, exposure. Yep. How could one start getting, you know, like I'm out there and I'm like, man, I started out as a real estate investor and I want to get into business acquisitions to, to diversify, to have some fun, yeah. I like business. Like it's, it's fun. Business is fun. Yeah. Right. Where's a good place I could go to start getting some education, start learning about the process. You know, yeah. it seems scary. So I, I don't, I mean, Roland Fraser has a really good course, the Epic course. Um, and I, at full disclosure, I do teach on that. Um, but it's probably the, one of the best ones that I know of that is course related. Um, but we also, every once in a while I get, you know, a group of people together and we go somewhere fun and just kind of make a weekend workshop of it. And I've seen a lot of really cool deals happen like that, but it, this is not the stuff that you learn in school. This is not the kind of stuff that, um, you can't do the same thing over and over and over and over again, because the, the kind of the rules change. Excuse me. God bless you. Um, uh, just to let you know, we do not edit sneezes out of our show. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) My face blew up. I'm okay with it. Um, but, but you kind of have to change and I'll give you a great example of that in 2020 and even kind of now there's a lot of businesses on sale that don't know they're they're for sale. And it's because a lot of the brick and mortar places, they're just now trying to get back on their feet because the, you know, whatever the city they're in or state they're in closed them down for a while. So they're, they're kind of behind the curve. And that's what Epic was kind of all designed around was um, there are companies out there that are struggling. If you can help them bring on a new way or, you know, whether that is taking a, a company that was brick and mortar only and helping them get online because you had the online skills, they obviously don't, or they would be online too. Um, so that's, that's one, uh, one way. And then the other thing I think is like, you just got to get, you, you got to get around people that are doing it in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it, to that, um, the, the fear quote, you know, education, experience, or exposure. Let's say we were just, let's say it's not even businesses. Let's just say I'm a buddy of yours and I come up to you and I say, Josh, could you help me like understand how to do a really good podcast? I'm scared to death to, to launch my own podcast because I just don't know what to do. And you're like, okay, no problem. First, why don't you just come on my podcast and we'll just chit chat a little bit and you can kind of see how I keep the conversation going. And if the conversation is good, we keep doing it. If the conversation is bad, I just kind of interrupt and change the direction or I, I might I might ask a question and then drill di- down several layers on that question. It'll give you good experience on how to launch your own. And by the way, here's my checklist that I use in the background. And I tell you what, I'll do the first couple with you so that you kind of get it under under your belt well what you just did was you gave them education experience and hopefully you ushered them through the exposure yeah right you you have to usher somebody through the exposure you can't just say you know just go do it that's what that's what like the that's what all the gurus say you just gotta you just gotta do it well yes you do have to do it 
but you also have to wake up in the morning. You also have to put clothes on before you get on your podcast. You know, the thing that helps them is if you've never shot a gun and I take you to the range and I help you through it, that is very different than me saying, here's a gun. There's the range. Like you just got to do it in both cases, but there is a way that I can make that experience better for you. And that's why I said, if you're going to acquire companies, you need to be around people that are doing it. You need to have the conversations around it. You need to uh, do, in my opinion, don't go read all the business books from the seventies and eighties for your, your concept of what business is. Cause we've had this really cool thing called the internet come along since then. So like some of those, some of those books that have, you know, are New York bestselling things and printed in 80 different countries and 30 different languages and all that kind of stuff. They're antiquated at best. There is, there are new ways that you can acquire businesses and there are new ways that you can grow businesses. Um, so you've got to get in that group of people and then from there, they can help usher you through your first couple and then usher you through your first, you know, $10 million deal or $100 million deal. Like the sky is the limit on these things. Um, and I think it's, I think once you get, once you get a handle on what you can provide to a company, the volume and velocity that's out there is insane. I mean, like the, the marketplace is just full of companies begging to be partnered with or acquired or rolled up or, um, I mean, it's just, there's so many of them. I mean, it's like, I, I, I was, I went to a, uh, I went to an expo. <laughs> this is actually, I'm laughing because this is really funny to me when, when I reflect on it. I, I went to an expo and, you know, every, things are starting to open back up. And this guy begged me to come to this expo. I walked in the door. I was not excited about the expo. I was like, there's a business for sale and that one. And I want that one. And I, want that one. I was like a kid in a candy store. And I was like, I, I remember feeling like, like butterflies. I was like excited. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, relax, dude. What's, what's going on? I'm like, and I I realized it wasn't the expo that I was super excited about. It was the idea that I could go pick up 30 companies like today. I'm so excited. It it was, (laughs) it's a fun feeling. It's like you said earlier, it's like an uh, addiction. I don't want to do it just to be doing it, but I do want to be enhancing my, my overall ecosystem. Yeah. Now, as for as for rounding out near the end, uh, we're patched. Uh, if you're open to it, let's do let's do more of these, uh, and maybe we could walk yeah. through some of the the details on acquisitions, how you do it, how you grow it, how you structure it. So maybe you know, if you're open to it, we'll we'll do more of these. If you're cool with that, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. cool. So um, we've got time for you know one or two more questions. Uh, National Professional uh, Fishing League or yeah. Or, or hero, you know, coffee, like talk to us about one of those. Cause I know you're super pumped about it. And, you know, we either want a hat or a shirt. You could send, you know, maybe Chris and I a hat or a shirt, For sure. but which one are you, uh, which one do you want to talk about? I want you to give a, a super shameless plug and, and chat about why you did it and, uh, why you're so excited about it. Um, man, that's a hard one. I, I love both those companies. Um, 
I think that I think that is a good point too. Um, there's certain companies that I I really love that we pick up, and there's certain companies that I like. I am I'm, but I know they're going to be companies that I get into. I exit eighteen twenty four months. I don't. I I go. I kind of go out of my way not to become attached to the branding and not. Um, Hero and NPFL are not like that. The those are companies that I want to keep. They're like Mobius, right? I'm, I'm going to keep that for a long, 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 long time. Um, and so I allow myself to get more uh, attached to those brands. And and what's funny is when you acquire somebody else's company, they have that emotional tie to their brand. And I do not, um, which is, is kind of crazy. The, uh, Hero, well, it's Hero Beverage Company. Um, that one is just so cool. You can find it at drinkhero.com. Um, that one's so cool. Like the branding is really good. The, the the acronym for Hero is help everyone remain operational. And so we went out of our way to like figure out ways that we could help companies stay operational. And we've teamed up with a ton of other companies some for profit and some uh, not for profit um and some associations and some other really cool stuff so i i love that one uh that one's not about just making money that one's about you know how can we again intertwine and and help uh companies and and people within our network to help each other and that that's a really cool company on the other hand uh the national professional fishing league I love that one because one of the core functions is to encourage dads, specifically dads, to do stuff with their kids. One of those could be fishing, right? But we 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 have little um, little like subscription boxes where we send over, hey, here's an indoor activity, here's an outdoor activity, here's Here's, you know, three things that you teach your kid. And oh, by the way, if you don't know how to do it, this is exactly how you do it. So you can go, you know, learn it and then go do it. Right. So um, I I love both of those because as I get better at this, um, I used to chase money in and in, in a. Like fighting a gold coin to see if it's real. Is it? No, I, I just used to chase it. Like I would chase dollars and i kind of figured out that if i if i worked just as hard to help other people the money would kind of show up and it was a weird paradigm from shift for me um but now i'm trying to figure out not just how can i acquire a company and and put it into my ecosystem but how could i acquire a company and give it a mission for good everybody says that they won't have a mission for good but like do they truly do that? Um, and if not, how can we plug that into our network? And once we started getting all that stuff together, the companies that I want to keep, like, I really love those companies. Like I really have an emotional attachment and I want to see them do well. And I want to see them be able to do well for others uh, financially or through services or through products or through connections or that can come in all kinds of different ways. So 
I don't think that's a fair question. You can't make me pick between the two of them. <laughs> I'll keep asking. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll find your favorite. The favorite will rise to the top. But uh Pat It's Mobius. I, I know my favorite. It's it's my, Mobius. Mobius is is my favorite because without it, I, I couldn't have done any of this stuff. So it's the engine, the economic engine that started yeah. all this, that's building sure. all this, that powers all this. Yeah. Uh sure. so I want to give a, a a plug. I'm looking at drinkhero.com. And you guys have a backdraft. I'm a retired firefighter. You have a backdraft blend. That's freaking cool. Yeah. That's awesome. We we do uh, all the first responders. um, We teamed up with um, Taya Kyle and did a Chris Kyle uh, legend blend, which was really, really awesome and helped support uh, their foundation. Um, We've done, uh, we've done female, uh, firefighters, which get overlooked a lot, but, uh, that was really cool. There's a, um, the, uh, uh, the, uh, I'm going to mess this up and I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's the, uh, it's the fireman cancer association is the one that, you know, a lot of those guys, um, uh, especially after nine 11 got a lot of, you know, just through ingestion and stuff like that um, had additional things pop up besides just uh, physical, you know, um, fire injuries. Um, and they, they were so cool. Um, they said, Hey, we'd like to recognize uh, some female firefighters. And we were like, done. And, I, I had, I personally had a good time with that one. I was a volunteer firefighter when I was in high school, uh, just because I thought it would be really cool to get a pager and walk around school with a pager. (laughs) Right. Um, but I, I grew up in a small town and, and pretty much all the, all, all the guys somehow were connected to, to the fire department, but I had fun with that one because I watched, I watched a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds from a bunch of different States come together to uh, support that cause. And when we, we actually got to meet in person, which was also uh, pretty cool. Um, And it, it happened in 2021. So it was like one of the first big gatherings that uh, happened after being gone for a long time. That was really cool. Um, Doctors, nurses, uh, farmers, um, police fire rescue. Um, like they're just, there's so many really cool people. Um, but we will not bring on a, a new brand that we don't have some way to, um, or a new line, um, that we don't have some way to support that specific community. Um, we just won't bring them on. So it's been, it's that, that's a fun company. It, it really is. We ate, dude, some companies you get into, and my rule is, you know, most people are talking about working in the business or on the business. And I'm always talking about working above the business. I don't want to be doing anything in the day to day. But both of those companies, MPFL and Hero, I can't help it. Like, I want to be in it. Like, I want to, <laughs> I show up at the door like a lost puppy going, hey, what are you guys doing in there? You know? <laughs> right. Um, so it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw and we'll, we'll put these in the show notes, right? So drinkhero.com. What's the website for the national professional fishing league? So it's either the, the national professional fishing league or T N P F L.com. Both of them take you there. Um, and then, um, 
uh, Drink Hero. Mobius? Oh, and, uh, no, PatchBaker.com is the other one that I was thinking about. Um, that, that's a really uh, – I like that site because people always want to know about me, and, you know, they always want to say, okay, what's your story? And I'm like, gah. <laughs> Go check this out. You can learn a lot about it. And then I post a lot of like my secrets, you know, my special sauce, my secret sauce. I post a lot of that stuff openly and freely. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of really cool things. If you're interested in acquiring companies and you're interested in growing by that method, um, you probably need to check it out. Head on over there. Cool. Patch, thanks for coming on the show. You got Fellow- it. Fellow deal makers in the audience listening in, looking to learn how to uh, acquire companies, grow companies, scale companies, sell companies, right? Uh, head on over to patchbaker.com. Reach out to Patch and say, hey, awesome. We heard you on the show. Thank you for that. And then figure out a way to do a deal together. This show, it, our mission is to put deals together. So head on over, do that. And until uh, then, talk to you all next episode. See you guys. See you, bro.